I'm Mark Stedman, Earthman. I'm John Hickman, and uh, apologies for a second, I'm going to go Douglas adjacent and go to Doctor Who and just say, I don't want to go. I'm Danny Smith. Thank you for making a simple door very happy. <laughs> I'm Joe Bands, and we apologise for the inconvenience. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the leper, leper, leper. From the outpost, and for the very last time, this is Beware of the Leopard. Over the past 60-plus episodes, we've brought you everything Douglas Adams wrote more than two words about in his five-part six uh, note. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to edit it. You know what? Fuck it, it's the last time. So usually, dear listener, I take about six (laughs) run-ups to get to to the level of polish that we'll discuss later. Uh, That level of polish does not come cheap, lads. (laughs) You will edit it. You will edit it. You will edit it. No, I'm keeping all of this in. John can make you edit this by saying (laughs) one word. I'm pretty sure you Oh, no, don't. (laughs) Because then I will have to edit it. I know know you're going to edit it. Oh, you sons of... I've been drinking. Over the past sixty plus episodes, I'm talking over you. Over the past sixty plus episodes, we brought you everything Douglas Adams wrote about more than two words uh, about in his five part, six part sci-fi trilogy, six part, five part trilogy. What did you, what did and you get since... wrong anyway? What, what was that? Sorry, mate. <laughs> and since we've done all the letters, it now means that we move on to numbers and one number specifically. During our live episode, John Bounds confirmed that it is, in fact, the funniest number, and it's what Graham Chapman said was the funniest uh, by virtue of it being the boringest. Uh, But for us, 42 is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. So, to find the ultimate question, it basically falls on us knuckleheads. So, to open proceedings, I'm going to ask Mr Hickman to present his view on how the world can be made a good and happy place. Hi, John. Hi, Mark. Hi, Okay, the one person we know who um, came up with the solution to all of these things is someone we're going to be talking about a lot in this episode, is Fenchurch. Correct? Yes. Oh, oh, good. (laughs) Sorry, I had the floor. I did not want to cede the floor. You had the floor. You are filibustering. I thought you you were going to say Jesus, and I was like, oh, it's going to be one of them. Remember, you're allowed to continue just as long as you don't sit down or stumble over your words. Sure, uh, sure. You, I think you can have a drink of water. I think that's okay. Is gin and tonics okay? Yes. Okay, because that's what I've got for for, the, for our last show. Okay, Goodbye. so Fenchurch was Fenchurch had the answers to everything, and she'd sorted it all out, and then she didn't get to share it with anybody because the, the world got destroyed to make a hyperspace bypass because of the you've got to build bypasses, etc., etc. All the things that we know, and. When you set this challenge and set this task, I started thinking about that and I got a little bit sidetracked and a little bit lost in this idea of um, a woman alone writing in a cafe because that's become a meme now. It's the, um, not not a meme in the sense of like a, a bloke looking at another woman's bottom while there's another woman. Yeah, you mean an actual meme? I just, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's, so yeah. there's there's this idea, there's this origin story myth that we have about a, a lonely woman writing in a cafe. And it, it's most strongly associated with J.K. Rowling. Oh, okay. I hadn't thought of that because I, I was going um, Sex in the City. Well, uh, yeah, but 
it's, it's, it is a thing. It is a thing. I prefer your take. In, in other places. And then that got me thinking about what would have happened if Fenchurch had got to share this. Mm. And it surely it would have been probably bigger than Harry Potter. Yeah, probably. It, it would have been quite the phenomenon. Mm. But unfortunately, that means that when we get to this point in the timeline... Fenchurch has written down the solution to all the problems, but now she's going to be retrospectively saying, "Oh yeah, no, that that character was gay." Yep. No, no. Oh, there were lots of there were lots of um, British Asians in there. You just didn't see him. I didn't tell you. No, about exactly. Them. Be- before we uh, found the solution to life, the universe, and everything, uh, we used to just shit on the floor and magic it away. Yeah. What? So she's not going to be. Um... Oh, that's that's a thing. That's a thing that happened, John. Yeah. No. J.K. Rowling was asked about how people shat. Um, before plumbing was invented, and she said, "Yeah, they just used to shit on the floor and magic it away, and then they made plumbing." That, 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 that's a genuine thing that J.K. Rowling said. Yeah. Yes. Oh, by, by the way, there is one person in the room while I'm recording this, and right. because I said the words J.K. Rowling, she's yeah. just gave me this tired but angry look. Good, she should do because it's Rowling, not Rowling. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Because I have very strong feelings about what J.K. Rowling is doing. Well, that's this is good, though. This is good, Danny, because you can you can feel free to pick pick up on this in a, in a, in a second. Um, I'll get to the end of my prepared statement on it. Sorry, you still have the floor. Um, so Fenchurch isn't in this in my uh, sort of headcanon extended version of this story. Now she's going to be doing this in a in a, in a kind of a helpful or honest way. She's just going to be walking around, making shit up, going, "Oh, that one, yeah, that was gay, yeah, yeah that's fine, that's fine, that's fine," but not in a way that actually. Sp- makes that part of the character or speaks in a truthful way about it, which I think is probably where Danny would like to tell me more about what's going on. My problem, my like, and the, the, the problem with this is that representation matters. Mm-hmm. It matters. People look at things and go, that is me. That is good. Yes. I, am, I see myself, my struggles, my things, uh, rendered on screen or in in print you don't get your little woke cookie for retroactively doing a piece of art and then pointing out going well that could mean that that could mean that fuck you right this is perfectly represented by what she's doing right there was a huge movement saying that hermione could have been black Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because there's lots of descriptions of her about having tight curly hair of, of having like a dark complexion sometimes like there's lots of that could be interpreted as that and jk rowling went yes maybe she is mm-hmm. getting a getting a little getting a little woke cookie for that except for mm-hmm. the four or five times where she explicitly explains how her pale skin is reflecting in whatever fucking moonlight is around mm-hmm. right she wants the fucking credit but she doesn't get she doesn't get the credit because she doesn't include it in the fucking text because in years and years to come people are going to be looking at the text it's not as if shakespeare was walking around going oh by the way othello is black he's black in the text you don't get to fucking have that cookie (laughs) right you don't get to say you don't get to say fucking um dumbledore had an intense sexual relationship with grumbleweed or whatever the fuck his name (laughs) is right (laughs) right without including it in the fucking text like, you don't get to say that fucking Hagrid was into fisting unless you include it in the fucking text. Well, you, your art is out there and in the world. To be fair, it's in the footnotes. And it'll last longer than you. You don't get to say or those fucking notes. things. Right, Danny, I'm going to take the conch back from you at that point. Yep. You've got me to exactly where I want to be. Beautiful. You don't get to do that because your text will live longer than you. 
Yep. Now, Rolling Rowling, I don't care what her name is, um, <laughs> she's, she's alive and she's got this thing that's, that means a lot to people and um, she's available to them through social oh, media. Can, can I point out, sorry, just, just quickly, <laughs> just quickly, sorry. No. Take, One more thing. I'm taking the conch back. Like, this is my fucking conch. Remember where that reference is from and I am a big burly man and I will eat your blood. Um, what? what? Lord of the Flies, it was about, it was all about fairness and the conch, but actually Mike, yeah. Mike turned out to be right and they de-evolved to that. So I'm saying, yeah, it's a good system, but I'm bigger than you. <laughs> Right? She's... Did you interrupt me to tell me about the no, 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 the no, no, no. being in Lord of the Flies? Con- conch no, she, she, she's still making shit. Right. She's still involved in the making of shit and mm-hmm. not including any of this in the text, but still right. expecting the woke cookies. She is expecting the woke cookies. So, okay. Fuck. Okay. Okay, okay. Sorry to interrupt, but I kind of. It's not as if all that's fucking canon and enshrined. And- she has she has this this body of work, and she's accessible to people, and she's she's doing all this stuff, and she's backfilling, and she's retconning things left, right, and centre in ways that do feel a little bit dishonest and do feel quite conceited. Um, the other person with a, a living canon of work that means a lot to people, who is a tinker, is George Lucas, and and we we know like that was pre-social media a lot of what he did that annoyed people but they still managed to develop um a lot of uh, on- online discussion in the kind of the the middle phase of the early internet um around it and the way people felt about things and then that got me th- thinking about canon and douglas and what did he what position did he have on this we, we know that he changed things a lot as he was going would we find him on social media like retconning things on the fly for people or did he have uh did he not give many fucks about the canon or was there a canon that he said was the actual living text how would douglas have reacted is what i'm essentially saying in this world of entitled fandom telling you to write things again constantly I, I don't think he would have cared. I think he would have been more like, like, like I don't think he would have uh, presented the text as being sacred. Mm. I don't think, I, mean, I think there's evidence to say that he doesn't, he didn't really care. I think he said something at one point about all the different versions existing in different parallel universes or something. So he, he didn't feel the need to, um, to make, you know, to make them all the same or to, uh, you know, to change things or whatever. And I just, I just think he, um, there was a, a, a long period apparently where he, um, when he sort of wrestled control back of the, the movie, mm-hmm. he was essentially going, this, this story is episodic. It doesn't work mm-hmm. as a film. I need to rip it apart and start again and introduce new elements into it that make it work as a, a film with a proper sort of, I guess hero's journey type thing. Hmm. Um but yeah so yeah I think he um I th- I imagine he would probably have been strong-armed into making another version of some of some kind some sort of online version or something. Yeah. And uh, it would have been different again and he wouldn't have cared. But he probably might have tweeted that maybe Marvin was gay. Ooh, uh, Marvin is definitely gay. Is Marvin gay? <laughs> Hey. <laughs> well, we should have oh, a discussion about that. Let's get it on. Oh, I just uh, put it put it in a microwave and fuck uh, you all. I it. was the one that fell for that. Fuck every <laughs> single one of you. 
Danny, what? Danny, mate, what? Danny, mate, you're not the only one. I didn't fall for it until you said the actual syllables out of your face. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> so I haven't taken you all down that down that diversion, and and da- Danny's still guessing what I'm actually going to say. Yeah. I, d- I, I don't have much qualification to tell you how to um, fix the universe, Mark Stedman. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You're, you're looking at a man cur- currently. Nobody who, does. Um, you, you cheating motherfucker. Nobody does. This well, this week I had my drive cleaned, and um, <laughs> off the back of that, I'm having my drains cleaned, and off the back of that, I've had. Seven Trent down, and they're saying, "Oh, we can't." But my drain's basically uncleanable. I can't. I can't wa- get a drive washed by another human without causing chaos in my own life. Um, how am I supposed to fix anything? How are any of us supposed to fix anything when life is so difficult in the day to day? When you you're looking at things like, "Oh, that's a bit of oil there. Oh, we'll, we'll pay a man to jet wash that." And now my next door neighbor's drains are backed up with oil because of that. I, I can't, I can't fix a drain, Mark. Oh, I don't know. This is sounding like a Kevin Smith film starring Bruce Willis. Is it like Kevin Smith? Uh, yes, it's called Cop Out. I, I suspect your problem, John, and I, I share this to a degree, is that you're too close to humanity and you're too close <laughs> to the day to day. Yes. I think in order to be the kind of person who has this big picture thinking, you basically have to be the kind of person who doesn't eat for three days right. and um, <laughs> sits in their pants and just sits at a keyboard uh, and, and types and probably smokes um, several packs of cigarettes um, a, a day. Uh, and, and it's basically like the um, caricature of Samuel Johnston in um, Blackadder uh, Third uh, that is just this... Um, shell of a human being completely obsessed with one thing and that one thing is how to make the universe good and happy but at the complete detriment to their own mental health their hygiene and the the lives of those around them I think you have to it's the kind of problem that you have to forsake everything else in order to solve and the problem is it's just too much shit in the way Smash cut to Danny explaining this problem, which is next, by the way. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I was just going to say, I've just going to say, I've got an answer. Yeah, I also have an answer. A simple answer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I've also got my trousers on. Are we? Are we going to like it though? I do have an um, answer. You, okay. you have an answer. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I haven't finished all my bits. Yeah, yes, he still hasn't finished his bits. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. You want the conch full time, Dan. I don't want the conch. <laughs> You you want the conch so bad. Let's let the representative from Guernsey have his have his have his piece. The gentleman will be heard and must yes, he be will. heard. Order, 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 order. I love Burko. I think he's amazing. He's a, obviously he's a uncomfortable right. human being, but he's um he's so entertaining to watch. Go it's go, good, good, at, good at his job. Yep, it's, it's the Chris Moyles thing. He's good at his job. Yes, <gasps> yes. All right. Anyway, so that's that's a yes. Um. So, yeah, I can't, I can't sort out my, my, my day-to-day stuff. Um, it, it is, it is a blocker from sorting out <laughs> the um, the problems of, of of the entire universe. But I have tried. I have had a go at this once before, mm-hmm. and um, it was when I was when I was at school, and I didn't, I didn't really realise that I was. This, this is this is an absolute true story. This isn't just made up for content. Um, <laughs> We we had to do this thing where you had to um, you had to write something within a genre, 
and you had to kind of uh, you had to do a picture and you had to do like a sample chapter and then you had to write out like a synopsis of what the whole book would be mm-hmm. and i wrote this this thing that was um kind of utopian sci-fi and uh for some reason i delivered it in a kind of a rob grant dog nailer stroke douglas adams mm. voice and I basically got, I got marked down because I'd said it was sci-fi and I delivered sci- like comedy sci-fi oh, in God, quite okay. a kind of, kind of, kind of <laughs> disdainful way, which kind of touches on something we've, we've spoken about before around um, the fact that, you know, there, there is some good sci-fi in this. Mm. It just happens to also have jokes. Mm. Um, but I remember when I was doing it, I, I just realising that, um, solving all the problems is the worst thing you can do as a writer because you can't have conflict in utopian sci-fi mm. and you need you, you need to you need to put on your space pajamas and go and find a fight like the Star Trek people did um, to, to actually make a story so um, for that reason yeah it's um, it's a bit it's a bit boring really to actually go and go and fix the problems but the best fix in popular fiction for anything is the idea of um, personal fulfilment without impinging on the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a kind of an idea that um, appears in a lot of my my favourite films. So um, one of the best quotes from the, there's two really good quotes about this from the movie Dazed and Confused, which is a, a, a high school. Um, coming of age film by um, Linklater. Um, all I'm saying is I want to look back and say I did the best I could while I was stuck in this place, had as much fun as I could while I was stuck in this place, played as hard as I could while I was stuck in this place. Like that as a a kind of a maxim for, for living mm-hmm. is pretty damn fine. Unfortunately, there's, there's another line at the end of it, which I don't <laughs> like, which I'm not going to tell you, which is uh, <laughs> a little bit... Um, of the 70s rather than mm-hmm. of the moment. Um, but then we've also got the uh, the great line, if it ain't that piece of paper, there's some other choice they're going to try and make for you. You've got to do what Randall Pink Floyd wants to do, man. Let me tell you this, the older you get, the more rules they're going to try to get you to follow. you just got to keep living. L-I-V-I-N. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right, all right. This is all really truthfully distilled down to one of the best lines from 90s cinema, which is um, be excellent to one another and party on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's got to be the answer. That uh, That's probably a good setup for John. Oh, I like yeah. that. I like that. Over our first dozen or so episodes, we assembled our Netflix reboot of the Hitchhikers' TV show, so I thought we could revisit it to make sure that we're happy with the lineup. Now, before we do that, we've got a point of order um, that um, I'm going to... Sorry, lads, I'm going to have to give Danny the conch for a bit, because uh, he. we talked a lot about Zaphod Beeblebrox last week, and he didn't get to say anything, because he wasn't in, uh, in the show. So, um, Danny... Okay, right. You did my boy a dirty... Like, we had three people that didn't like the character talking about Zaphod, and he didn't... Well, that's untrue. He didn't I, deserve I, I, I backed him up. 
I backed him up. A little, a little, but not as much as he needed backing up. He's cool. He can deal with it. He doesn't mind. I want, he hasn't got a fragile ego. He doesn't I need your support. I wanted to bring up a, a, a couple of points. Okay. First of all, he's called out for bullying Arthur, and you all agreed with this. Yeah, because that's what he does. Because he does. Yeah. Right. yeah, he does do that. Yeah. So that cool. Tick, next. Right. But I wanted to point out that yes. it's it's kind of good that he bullies Arthur. Okay. Especially in, you know, my reading as Arthur being a representative of the English person. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of an inversion of the colonial British Empire dynamic where the foreign person is belittling and dismissing the other race. But why doesn't he do that to Trillian? Is it just because... Because he's, he's got bits that she fancies. Yeah, because he's sleeping with Trillian. And yeah. and by the yeah. way, everything that Double he, standard, yeah. everything that he calls Arthur out for isn't wrong. Um, he does just say things like uh, "go climb up a tree" for no reason. Like he he will often make an observation about something. Uh, Arthur will often just observe something and then say, "What will just." say a mean thing to him that's not necessarily calling out a particular human foible yeah but like not a human foible but a, a arthur foible the fact that he doesn't he doesn't really contribute anything he dithers he's he's unsure he doesn't really know what's going on yet still feels the need to kind of put his he's the only one that saved them when uh they were going to get hit by the nuclear missile because he accidentally pushed a button or he didn't accidentally. He, he did, did it purposefully. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. I'm just saying that. Oh, we can all push buttons, can't we, Dan? I think I, at exactly the I, right time. I, He's pushing your buttons. I despite, don't think, despite people ignoring you. I don't like one. I like the dynamic where the person that represents um, uh, colonial English, like mm-hmm. Englishness and Britishness in the empire, is actually bullied by another race just for being another race. I like mm-hmm. that. And also, yeah. I, I want to point out that. A lot of times when Zaphod is is belittling Arthur, Arthur is acting a bit of a div, and it's only and, th- and it's only okay. because we empathise with Arthur that we think this is bad. It's not only I think I I I think you're right, but I also think that the reaction is dis- disproportionate. But you know, at, at this point, we're, we're probably um, splitting hairs, so we'll we'll that's fine. You're wrong on that one. Uh, let's go to the next point. <laughs> we'll let the audience decide if I'm wrong. Yeah, and if they're right, I don't want. Yeah, and we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll come back to it next week. Oh no, wait, what? And if and if and if he, and if he I writes, I don't want to hear it from him. Um, I wanted to defend cool. Ah, um, you guys had a lot of bad things to say about being cool, and I think it's because none of you are cool, and I am cool. So. <laughs> sure, <laughs> game recognized game. No, I I, I think that. Um, you you say that cool is this artifice, and uh, you and you're right because like we only ever see from Ford's point of view. There's the bit where um, Ford is, and we're in Ford's head, and we're like, oh my god, that's Zaphod. Okay, at cool, at cool. I'm not going to let him out mm-hmm. call me this time. At cool, at cool. And it's like, hey, Zaphod, how's it going? And then Zaphod looks up and goes, oh, hi, Ford. Right, totally winning. And he totally outcalls him. But we only see it from Ford's point of view. So Ford is the person trying to be cool. Mm-hmm. We don't know if Zaphod is actually that cool. Mm, that's interesting. Cool isn't necessarily an artifice. Cool is a label that's presented to other people because they react in ways that we're not expecting or react in ways that we actually respect. Cool is a as a changing sort of mimetic social 
construct. But some, but some people aspire to it, and some people don't. Well, this is true. But if you're, if you're, you can't defend. Um, you know, you basically you're suggesting that Zayfod could well be just like that, and that's what we've, and that's what the, that current bit of floating through the whole sort of general mishmash of the universe. That's the point in which he you know that his his particular sort of personality becomes cool yeah and i th- i think that uh, i think he also exemplifies everybody's got that friend that things just happen to <laughs> that like you you have a friend and and like you've, you've only met him like you only saw him two days ago but you're like how you doing you'd be like you never fucking believe i just went down the shop <laughs> to get some tea and i'm now a member of the russian mafia like everybody has that that friend a bullshitter yeah not not bullshitter but <laughs> but everybody has that friend that just it, weird shit happens to <laughs> and i think zayfod is kind of that like he's kind of that that friend i think one of the things that there's a couple of things why zayfod means a lot to me it is the quote the trillion quote that you that you said that um that he pretends to be stupid because yeah yeah and I think I did that for years. I I did that for years. Have you stopped? Yeah, I I kind of <laughs> I kind of pretend that I'm smarter than I am now. <laughs> I've gone the other way, but <laughs> I I genuinely used to do that for years. Like hmm. uh, pretend to be stupid because it gives you the advantage in any social situation if people just dismiss you, and it it, it is a thing. Hmm. But I think one of the one of the realest things that I connect with Zayfod with is that. He was one of the first people where weird was cool. Like, cool has always been cool. Mm-hmm. But he was one of the first person where, like, explicitly the notion of being weird was attached to the notion of being cool. Right. And I, I don't know. I've Like, I was, I've always been called weird. But there's that thing where it's like, oh, weird is actually cool. And I think that kind of resonated with me in, in a way that, in a, in a way that, actually explains a lot of his character to me but maybe not to everyone else hmm. in a way that i made everyone bring it up on the podcast that is uh, uh, coming to an end <laughs> no real relevance uh, to the theme of the actual podcast but i wanted to give zaphod the um the, the defense that he deserved is, is he just weird because he's alien like from my point of view no i, I don't know because it, weirdness is important to him don't try and add weird me. I have weirder things in my uh, breakfast cereal, whatever that quote is. Like, weirdness is intrinsically linked to how cool he is. But he has got some, for the time when it was written, he's got the, he, he's got the kind of the full house of, of cool things. He's got the cool car. He's got the, he's got the girl. He's got the leather jacket. He's got the third arm. Um, he, so he's, he's kind of, there is, there is conventional cool guy kind of stuff going on with Zaphod as well. Yeah, but th- but those things are like like the concept of cool for him mm. is explicitly linked for him being unusual rather than him being conventional. Yeah. So I, I think I think that was important. You've uh, just done you've just undermined point one there because you've 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 suggested that there's if not artifice, there's art and aspiration in his mm. appearance to other people. I think it's pronounced Arthur Dent, but um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't think Sorry. I don't think there is. I I mean you can you can recognize things about yourself without them without trying hard to present them. Or you can you can even present 
things about yourself without it being artifice, right? Mm, I'm, uh, I don't know. That's a, a, Is that a, the sort a, of presenting a version point. of yourself type thing? Yeah, it's, it's, like, yeah. Surely, surely you present versions of yourself wherever oh God, you go. I think about this a lot with certainly with the shows I do with with you guys um is that the the role I often play is as much as I am like the quote unquote chair of of this show mm-hmm. um in almost all of the the things that I do I tend to take a low status role to use sort of comedy parlance like um uh, I don't do that when I'm on stage mm-hmm. but when I'm doing these kinds of things I tend to take the lower status position um and do that thing of sometimes pretending to be a little bit dumber than I am, sometimes pretending that I don't get the joke. Um, yeah, no, and sometimes, no, I definitely don't get the joke. Um, and so, like, yeah, but but and that's not artifice, but it is at different, pi- uh, different times presenting a slightly different version of myself uh, to the camera, if you like, just a slightly different side of me uh, and emphasising that, that side to the camera more than another side, perhaps. So what you're saying is, for tax reasons, you're just playing the character of Mark Stedman. <laughs> Absolutely. I would hate... Um, yeah, I would I'm hate, not Mark Stedman, but I do play one on TV. I would hate for the whole series of a thing that's uh, spanning the Hitchhiker's Guide without a spirited defence of Zayford, and I hope... No, no, then uh, you're absolutely right that you should you should give one. I, I hope that I have. Also, you missed out the Reagan reference, like, like at the time, like, Douglas Adams would have been super aware of Reaganism, and one of the one of the criticisms of Reaganism was like he was not in charge of the world. He was just the movie star that was elected Mm. and um, the real power happened behind the throne. And I think that's what him being elected president of the galaxy was. I I just, I just wanted to mention that because that's, that's the, that's the cromulent um, reference because you're all talking about the future echoes of Trump, but Trump Trump is a, a essentially an echo of uh, of Reagan, mm-hmm. the, the populist um, Republican strong American mm-hmm. man that, that that made it to the White House. Well, he makes um, Douglas makes the uh, criticism and perhaps the link with Reagan incredibly specific in the um, Young Zayfod plays itself short story. There's, that's definitely a, a point, isn't it? And I think to um, whether or not he was making that deliberate point that sort of president of the galaxy isn't really in control type thing it would have been um yeah that would have been current satire definitely so yes that is my thoughts on Zayfod. um i love the character good and i'm uh, i i i am pleased that you um yeah that that you've made a, a spirited defense of him i enjoy i enjoy him as well which i did i did i did say but maybe, maybe, maybe not strongly enough. I, as a, as I said, when Mark said, "Oh yeah, let's just make him into a computer," it's like, well, that wouldn't be fun. Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's a hell of a ride when you're with Zayfod. It's fun. Oh, it it absolutely is. Um, and it would be, it would be a different book without him. And I think it would be a lesser book without him. I I, I don't hate Zayfod. Like I, I I'm not. I, um, I think it's I'm in- not a Zayfod hater. I think it's interesting, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make a lot of type assumptions now. But the type of person mm. that reads. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy aren't necessarily the Zayfods of the world. No, the type that read a lot of those kinds uh, of fiction aren't. Uh, uh, you're absolutely right, and I, I and I, I think, yeah, I, I I wonder how I would feel about it if I were approaching it at a different age. Maybe I don't know. Um, I mean, I, you know, the the age that I discovered it, I was mostly out of the troubles of. 
secondary school where I had a shitty time and and like mostly didn't have to deal with that kind of that kind of nonsense anymore. Um, and so it was like I didn't find any real uh, parallels to people that I severely disliked at school. Like it, as much as I'm, you know, calling him a bully and I and I absolutely had my time with bullies. Um, it, that that's that is extreme. That is an extreme. Um, word to use for for the the type of person that he is. He's not a good person, um, but he's not necessarily a bully. Um, and yeah, I I I I'm 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 happy that I I you know I I'm happy with my stance, but I'm also happy that you're able to give a perfectly like um <laughs> to to reuse your word from earlier, like a perfectly cromulent defense of it, and 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 for those both to be completely acceptable readings of the character well uh to talk about netflix then so uh, going down the rundown we have uh playing arthur we have simon Pegg, uh michael sheen is our ford that's Noel fielding choice. in surge from kasabian uh was actually <laughs> i know i i, I miss i misquoted last week i think i probably um said what i wanted to uh be the truth and actually the clear winners the very very clear winners uh were Noel fielding and surge from kasabian as they for people brooks that's um, amazing <laughs> um trillion uh it's going to be played by Tam Grieg, uh, yes. Dylan Moran will be Marvin. Sarah <laughs> Milliken is Eddie the Shipboard Computer. Morgan Freeman is Slarty Bartfast. Morgan Freeman. Hello, Earthman. And Georgia Moffat is a random dent. Nice. Um, so, any 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 thoughts? Do we need to make any cast adjustments? I'm first still off? not happy with. I'm still not happy with Zephod. I know. I think that's. I think that's really good. I think that's really good. I'd forgotten about that's that. Yeah, you would because you said it. <laughs> that's re- that's, no, that's really that's really good. That one is. I'm not happy with Sarah Milliken. I don't. I don't. I don't yeah, really. I, mm. That is the okay. one that I am most happy with. Such a shame when old friends fall out. Oh my god. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's the surge a surge edition. Like uh, like Noel Fielding actually thinking about it is pretty great. But it's just um, surge is just the um, CGI second head. He's not going to do anything. Yeah. It, it's it's a great joke, Dan. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, what I liked about the Sam Rockwell is mm. that Sam Rockwell is perfect for Zaphod. But I also like the idea that the second head is a representation of some other aspect of the personality of of an id kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So maybe maybe if you yeah. went the other way and had a different second head, so had like a very sedate, boring second head, had the second head as a a super ego, the the moderator of 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 the id and the ego. Like had someone that was like was perfectly sensible. Mm-hmm. Would you would, would you be happy if the other head was um, Julian Barrett? <laughs> Maybe. So you just boosh it up. Yeah, all the yeah, way. yeah. I'd, I'd be, I'd be you, happy. You could, you could do pure Dan Ashcroft on you. Yeah, or, or someone someone that's very good at being meek. Could Jesus. Be meek, Jesus. <laughs> meek? Is there a meek part of Beeble Brocks? I did this? I did, well, the super ego is the the thing that sits between the the id and the ego yeah. and decides which thing. So if if Junior Barrett's going to be like the the id or even the ego, he'd actually probably be the ego. Then it'd be really mm. great to have like a, a like a really boring moderator to be like, no, actually, you don't think that. super ego is like your dad. So maybe Paul Weller. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Weller does look like a shriveled head. <laughs> oh my dad though. He looks like my dad. <laughs> Georgia Moffat to answer your question, John. That was that was basically me being too clever for my own good. 
she's the in in real life she is the daughter of uh one of the doctors who for whom douglas had written and trillion and also uh doctor who's daughter in one of the and doctor who's daughter in one of the new ones and now married to tenant but she's also a great actress yeah she is she's really good yeah she we, we had some we had some really nice thoughts for um uh for for a a random uh, series, so uh, you can you can revisit that should that pique your interest. I want that to be made. That is so good. Yeah, no, we we like we really had a good uh, and da- Danny's um, idea that it was it was basically her um, flash hearting around the galaxy, yeah, uh, and, and with with Zaphod Beeblebrox po- um, popping up every now and again, a little bit like George Bluth um, thinking that he is her father and trying to dispense fatherly wisdom at various points i just think is this shit writes itself and it's delicious yeah. it's it's a better idea than making a, a hitchhiker's tv program to be honest speaking of writers uh we um we we discussed an all female uh, writing staff um including tina fey jessica Hines, phoebe waller bridge uh because frigging hell the second series of fleabag mm-hmm. is phenomenal um uh, we Josie Long's cool though, weren't we? We, we, yes, we, we were. put her in the frame for that. We did, we did. Um, Josie Long and uh, Emma Kennedy as a sort of um, John uh, Lloyd type uh, character. So, any more thoughts on the the writing staff for this new uh, series or for the random density? Uh, uh, throw Laura Penning in there. Oh, okay. Uh, she's recently gone into TV writing. I'd love her writing, and I genuinely don't see the criticisms against her. Uh, so I think that she would make an excellent um, addition to any writing staff. Very posh British uh, fash apologist. She's not a fash apologist. She's not a fash apologist. Fuck, like, I really don't get this. She wrote an article from her point of view. Oh, Laurie, not Laura, Laurie. Yeah, 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 that's, that's the bunny. Laurie, yeah. right. She wrote an article from her own point of view and she admitted to knowing someone and going, when I've met this person in public, I've actually kind of liked him, but I don't agree with anything he says. So, like, I genuinely don't understand. Was it the Milo article? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no, the... she, no, she tore, she tore him apart, John. Mm, okay. She kind of gave some, not excuses, but she kind of understood where some of his audience were coming from. She was like, I can kind of understand why men are feeling like this and like this and like this. But I, I, I would, I would very much like to read somebody defending her. Like I would very much uh, not defending her, but like specifically going, okay, taking it down and going, this was bad, this was bad, and this was bad, because I genuinely have read that article on and couldn't perceive anything that was that was bad about it. I'd like to put Alan Moore in that writing room to see what happens. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Alan Moore writing for television or film. You've, I'd like to see what happens if, if you put Alan Moore in that room. It might slow down the process a bit. <laughs> oh, we, could, we could get we could get Alan Moore and Starley Klein to do it. Then we could like maybe get an episode out every four or five years. It'd be brilliant. Uh, so, um, Danny, you are up. How are you uh, planning to make the world a good and happy place? You have the conch now. Mm. Uh, we can't. Okay, okay, and, and let me expand on this, right. And I'm going to take them one by one. Okay. Um, good. We can't make 
We can't make the world a good place. We can't. This is a free will problem. Um, <laughs> because essentially you can't be good with the opportunity to be bad. Uh, without the opportunity to be bad. Like, nothing is good without the opportunity to be bad. Anything else is sheer oppression. So unless you have the option to be bad, you genuinely can't be good. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 I, yes, that, that, that point I take. And, and to be good is essentially to choose others over yourself. So you... And like, and people aren't. We're not programmed that way. We, we would have to be different people, or to be controlled to the point where it wouldn't be free. We wouldn't. We we could be a good place, but it would be a fascist, like the extreme form of fascism. It would be soul fascism. So we genuinely can't be good. And and can I point out, good by whose standard? What are, like even on this podcast, what I think is good is going to be massively different to what any of you think is good i think there are certain things that we can accept i don't think so i genuinely don't i I, I, see you don't you don't think that like ending uh mass um in massive inequality or inequity in terms of resources uh is something that we can all agree on would be a good thing to fix i think that we all in this podcast all four of us can agree on that but i think that's one of the reasons why we're friends i think that if you got <laughs> a cross section of 50 people i think you could find like four or five of them would that would argue the terms. I I disagree. I, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I, I think that the terms is 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 where I think we get bogged down because I think I think one hundred percent of people would agree that that thing should happen. So you so you but, so you think that there is some platonical ideal of good that we're all shooting for, and good and good isn't necessarily a value system that is impregnated on you when your your brain is forming. Like no, there are definitely subjective things, um, but I think there are objective things. I think there are things on which we can all agree you think there are objective you there are objective good so thinking of this it, it doesn't quite fit but it's it's the, it's the easiest way i can um hammer this into my brain is thinking about strategy and tactics so the tact oh make sure i get this the right way around um so the strat the strategy is end world hunger for example i think we can all agree that that is a strategy that we should all take. I think where we would disagree and where we have the problem is in the tactics. I think we can all agree that ending world hunger should be a priority. I think we disagree and we come to blows and then we get into selfishness and or lots of other things when we come to the question of implementation. And I think that's where the grey area is difficult and that's where we have to do the work i i agree with you that on a moral perspective we have to allow people the choice to make bad decisions when i watch things like the good place and that the, there was i think in the the recent series they actually went to the good place and i find and it's whether it's just me or whether it's because i grew up on bill hicks uh, i look at that stuff and it feels oppressive um, in a way that, you know, the downstairs place doesn't because I want to be um, surfing on the lake of fire rocking out. Um, but I, so I think I'm willing to bet that I could find people in this world that don't think that ending world hugger is a good goal. 
Well, you'd put me out of a job for a start, but... That's a good point, actually. We have got someone uniquely qualified to discuss I, I genuinely think they are. And so what what says that they are wrong and we are right because we're in the majority? Like, uh, and if that's true, then you like a majority rules morality and that is a very... I, I tell you what, a very I find it so... A very sketchy fucking road to go down. So, uh, personally, I don't think that we can make a good world we can make a better world we can make something that's that's not as shitty but i think the like shooting for good whatever good means is is a is a wrong turn i was gonna say i'm just interested in this soul fascism how good would the uniforms be oh so good soulful if anything i'm a soul fash if we can't make the world good then let's strive for happy. So, so if good's off the table, how about how about good and happy? Like instead of good and happy, just lop off a couple of the letters and we just make it. How do we make the world good and happy? How do we make it happy then, Dan? We do. <laughs> fuck, <laughs> fuck. I was taking good as like somewhere on the scale from shit to all right to excellent. So good isn't perfect. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. I was taking it's room temperature. I was taking good as the moral judgment. Mm. As in good or bad? I think it's like good, like a nice bowl of soup. Like, how's your soup? It's good. Oh, so yeah, okay, I can I can understand that. But um, it's warm. It's tomatoey. I haven't prepared for it's that. It's got a nice so bit of um, bit of olive oil in there. It's, it's so good. shall we shall we move to happy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's try. Uh, we we don't want to be happy. We don't. We don't want to be happy. Nobody. Yeah, we do. We, we strive for happiness, but if we, I don't think if we achieved it, we'd be. Good. Show me a truly happy person, and I'll show you somebody that would get sectioned in a fucking minute. <laughs> Happiness isn't a state we can achieve or even deserve. But let, let's move that aside. We can't happy. We can't handle happy. Happy. Happy is not something like happy only works if you have sad. Happy is are the sparks. Happy happiness is the sparks that happen in the darkness. Uh, Dennis Leary said that happy uh, happiness happens in small doses, a cigarette butt or a chocolate chip cookie or five-second orgasm. But happy only works if it's small. Like, happiness um, that happens continuously is numb. Like, any emotion that happens in any amount of, like, time is just numb. We become accustomed to I would to say it. it's, 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 it's perhaps, and I'm probably using the, the, the wrong terminology here, but in terms of sort of cyclical things like um, bipolar, it's possibly on the manic uh, the manic end as opposed to the equilibrium that we want to be on so if we if we take if we what, what about content then content content Can we strive for contentment uh, content we should strive we should strive for content but content can only happen if we if we can appreciate happiness and we can only appreciate happiness if we experience the opposite of happiness so we experience darkness yes. like like badness like happiness all the any any emotion all the time okay. is numbness and numb- we will always and numbness is death like okay well that, so- that, that's that's exactly what you bring up that's exactly the point i was going to make we will always there is a healthy sad there is a, a, an absolutely healthy sad there's death that happens accidentally there's death that happens through um preventable means and and unpreventable means there's death that happens through old age um there's disease that can be you know let's say in this good and happy world we've wiped out disease we ain't gonna wipe out death because that would be a, a weird um so there is there is that such a thing as that uh, as, as healthy 
sadness. Grief is a healthy thing. It is it's a good thing to grieve someone's passing. Um and 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 it's good to be in that space. It's good to be sad. Um there is a difference between being sad and depressed and all that kind of stuff obviously, but I always took the meaning of melancholy to be like the good and sadness that you get from appreciating that you're sad at the moment but it has a reason and it will pass like that yeah where, that, where you, that sort of bittersweet yeah where you savor that the, the sadness mm-hmm. i always I, that's mm-hmm. that's how i've always used the word melancholy but i I'm, i mean correct me if i'm wrong anyone that knows anything about words but um yeah so happiness forever is numb so and we need the contrast so what the, i i don't know i suppose the secret the real secret is savouring the things that make us happy, appreciating the fact that I am happy in this moment and really, like, knowing what makes you happy and grabbing those things and squeezing the fucking joy out. But, uh, it also means unexpectedness. I think we, we have to live in a world where we can have unexpected joy because if you know what's around the corner, be it good, be it bad, the happiness will start to drain away because it will just be, oh, yeah, it's Tuesday, so I get a free donut. It's- I work with young people, like, and I've I've worked with young people for about ten years. And the thing about young people is that even though they're they're not outwardly doing this, they are kind of looking for belief systems. They are kind of looking for people and going, okay, I agree with their point of view. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm gonna roll with, and mm-hmm. that's really hard because anyone that isn't a dickhead doesn't have a coherent point of view because hopefully they're constantly taking in information and assessing things and and throwing things out. And the only thing that I've come up with and the only thing that I, this is something that I deeply, deeply believe and it's dumb and it's simple, but I truly think that if anything will save the world, it's this and it's kindness. I genuinely think that each of us, every single human being on this planet, if we were just 10% kinder to each other, just 10%, more than we are now, just 10% more kind, we would genuinely live in paradise. Imagine if every single person that you met tomorrow was 10% kinder than they are. Just 10%, not not 100%, not 50%, just 10%. Imagine what the world would be. And imagine if that accumulated. And imagine if the base standard for kindness raised because everybody was 10% kinder. So the base standard of kindness. So we'd have to be even... 10% 10% more kind tomorrow, like the day after. We would live in fucking paradise in a month. We genuinely would. And so the key, I think, the answer, everything, is kindness. Full stop. The defence restaurant. You sincere motherfucker. <laughs> Was anyone expecting sincere? Anybody had sincere on their bingo card? Sincere. I did not have sincere on my card. <laughs> Well, before uh, we crack on with um, with with John's, um, I was going to say with John's solution, but that that's mm, no, I'm not, I'm not happy with that, that formulation of words. Um, I want to quickly. One or? No, I haven't I, got another one. No, I <laughs> uh, I I, I want to make uh, some mention of uh, some lovely words that we've uh, received uh, because it means a lot when uh, when you all get in touch. Um, so this is massively tooting our horn but it felt really lovely and uh, this is a, a, a snippet of uh, of something that we received in the mailbag um feedback at btlpodcast.com um 
uh, a few days ago and uh, it touched all of our hearts to to read this and uh, uh, I think this is the bit that talks about me so I'm going to read this bit um, and uh, this, is, this is from Paul this is a, a part of an email from Paul um, that said of our show the format is compelling the banter is top notch and the production value is great I had assumed this was a top tier program um, funded by some offshoot of the BBC hosted by nationally famous comedians because that's the amount of quality the show presented I'm only reading that in my um, wry tone because we are literally just some douchebags from Birmingham as a British media novice, but uh, enthusiast, I am so used to seeing the upper crust media that leaks out to America and think program um, uh, and this program blended in perfectly. So, um, thank you for believing uh, that we. Uh, thank you for believing in the standards to which we strive. I guess I've had a couple of people get in contact with me a few times, and um, but uh, yeah, it's it's really nice. Like I had a guy called. Um, I won't say his name because he's a teacher and uh, you've got to be careful about social media. But I had a I had a guy called Andre and he was a teacher at a job that I had. And we didn't really have a lot of time to spend together. Um, but he happened to be a Facebook friend. So whenever I've been pumping this out on Facebook, he's obviously listened. And through that, we have had, like, I've got to know him and, like, all our interests overlap. And it's really interesting to know that... That person, if I if I lived near him now, I hope he would be a very good friend. Like, because he has uh, very similar interests. He also wanted me to get in the line, which I've never been able to get in. Um, he said that Jeff McGiven is a national semi-precious stone, not quite a treasure. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. I know. I wanted to use it in like I wanted to use it in context, yeah. but it never came up after he said it. And um, yeah, no, isn't that a lovely line? That is. And there's also a guy called Adam um, Adam Swish, and um, I love the guy, but he uh, listens to the show a lot and he comments a lot, and I try and squeeze them in. But um, God bless, like God bless them. Yeah, thank you guys. Um, thank you, Charlie, who is someone I I know um, uh, has started listening fairly recently. So. Uh, yeah, it means a lot that you do, and uh, it's kind of why we do it. Yeah, thanks, Terry, uh, Bob, James, Kerry, Uncle Tom Cobbley, all. Thank you um, for, <laughs> uh, for being nice. It's been, yes. it's been really good. All right, then, John. Um, you're up, mate. How are you going to make it all fine? Well, I, I'm going to guess that you all know what my plan's going to be. Um, and luckily, uh, a couple of the lovely guys in the mid-19th century... Uh, wrote it up for me uh, just a little book about how great it would be if people were nice to each other for a change um, without anyone having to get nailed to anything yeah it's the only thing that can make people happy so it must have been what Fenchurch realised uh, so thank you Mr Marks and Mr Engels there's a spectre haunting this podcast and it is full communism now um, but there is and the more I thought about this, there is a problem. There's a problem with communism. Well, there isn't a problem with communism. Um, it's not. I'm not one of those people who's going to say it's uh, it's great in theory, but it doesn't work in practice. And uh, we've got a great team on paper, but we're playing on grass. I'm going to say <laughs> that the problem is, of course, that shortly after the of uh, Fenchurch's realization we get interstellar contact and interstellar contact ends the idea of a world revolution. 
So Stalin's socialism in one country failed. Socialism in one country did not work. Can you have socialism on one planet? And I don't think you can. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll spin back a little bit, so about 100 years ago, 100 years back, to um, Lenin wrote a, a letter in uh, 1918, a letter to the American workers, where he said he was banking on the inevitability of a world revolution, but it did not mean that he was such a fool as to bank on the revolution happening inevitably or coming at a definite and early date. He said that um, civilization was necessarily for the building of socialism. Now, that's difficult because we have uncivilized planets so that means they're not at the right state but could you not first create the prerequisites of civilization in a country by the expulsion of landowners and the capitalists and then start moving towards socialism maybe you could but how do you expel people from a universe there's only one way to do that and i know the vogons are trying it but so and then then he went on and he, he wrote another thing and basically the power of the state over all large-scale means of production, you have political hands, power in the hands of the proletariat. Isn't that all you need to build a complete socialist society? Maybe it is. But if everything grows, those biros, those um, mattresses, and the cost of production drops to virtually zero, there's only transport the problem. Now, that's only if you decide um, like sentient mattresses and biros are beneath some sort of cut-off point of beingness and unworthy of socialism. Because if they're worthy of socialism, uh, then that's a different problem indeed because the uh, what you, <laughs> you've got to make everything again because you cannot slaughter them. Um, so socialism in one country, basically Stalin uh, is a... Uh, he gets a bad rap, does Stalin. Um, but- <laughs> Well, and, 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 and rightly so. But he, he did come up with the phrase, he, he is the originator of the phrase, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. Is he? How many, how many eggs do you reckon he broke? About, is it about 13 million? A few, <laughs> yeah, the, it, eggs and the, the breaking of an eggs and the making of omelettes, that's a huge history in revolutions. Did you hear about the French aristocrat that got killed during the uh, French Revolution? Because he, just, he dressed up as a peasant and escaped Paris and he was running to England and he was somewhere in Brittany and uh, he stopped a little wayside inn and he said, um, yes, citizen, what would you like, said the, the barkeep. And he said, can I have an omelette? And the Barkeep said, how many eggs would you like in it? And the aristocrat had no idea how many eggs it took to make an omelette because he'd never had, he'd never made an omelette. He'd only always had servants made it. So he asked for 12. <laughs> and they said, and they said, basically, you fucking aristocrat and killed him. But surely he should have known that one egg is enough. Hey. Oh my God. That is fucking brilliant. Thank you. That is amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I know it seems sarcastic, but I think that's the best joke ever. So um, on uh, on uh, Valentine's Day, nineteen thirty-eight, Stalin did not send um, a Valentine's card that we know of. <laughs> um, he did, however, write a letter, a response to Comrade Ivanov, uh, which he wrote and uh, had it printed in Pravda, and he split the idea of whether or not you could have 
uh, you could split sort of the, the idea of socialism in one country into two parts. The idea is that you could make, so you could make, as Lenin suggested, so you could get to the conditions for socialism inside one country. And the second part of the question, he talked about external relations and whether the victory of socialism could be final without socialism everywhere essentially mm-hmm. um so that yeah it's a uh, final victory is only possible on the international scale so in the hitchhiker's universe you could not have a communist earth if there is interstellar contact because as we know the um hitchhiker's universe is essentially a um laissez-faire uh free market system and those particularly institutions such as the guide who are dreadful dreadful hippie sort of centrist types they're essentially tories in tories with caftans they would um have uh, swooped down to earth eventually plundered it set up their offices and uh, and disappeared off so you cannot have um you cannot have socialism on one planet so we need um, basically, we need to, tr- to move to Trotsky's idea of uh, permanent revolution, where you have to um, continue to fight for the revolution at all times, which makes people very unhappy. They don't like fighting for revolution. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's boring. The hours are not good. Um, <laughs> Most of the minutes are pretty lousy. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's that's it. So my my solution my, my solution is possibly applicable in in our world. It's not uh, applicable in Douglas's. The um, mm. but the the universe definitely needs. Um, you know what it doesn't need? It doesn't need a bunch of uh, centrists. It actually needs some basically possibly Scandinavian social democracy, um, and uh, it needs a uh, one being one vote. Um, system for the election of uh, the president. Definitely, that's my, those are my transitional demands. High taxes and public services that work. I mean, it would be nice. Mm. I'm not sure how comfortable I am with an ideology that the only solution at the end of is everybody has to agree with us for it to work. Oh, you don't have to agree. You can argue against it. But you, you, can... you, you have to accept that it exists. Well, no, and... but, you don't, but you don't need to exist it. Do you... Do you um... You exist inside it in the same ways you exist inside capitalism. You don't. You don't have to think about it if you don't want to. But but um, we are trying to if, overthrow capitalism. You know that, right? Well, some of us are, um, <laughs> because that's the, some of us should be trying a bit harder. But I'm busy, all right. I've got cats to feed. Capital, capitalism is a, is a pervasive system. You cannot live outside it at the moment. But. Once your insight, once there was true socialism is achieved, it would be a pervasive system. It would be a hegemony and you could not live outside it. Socialism, not communism. Communism is uh, a step on the route to socialism. I thought it was the other way around. No. I, I would have thought that, but I don't know anything. Socialism is the ideal. Oh, that's interesting. But what people talk about when they talk about socialism isn't necessarily the sort of textbook Marxian definition of socialism. Here's a concern I have around, um, like a one, a one state. Well, is it, it's, yeah, a one state universe, but also just, just the universe generally. If we wanted to have a, a good and happy and peaceful universe, which is that life seems to grow exponentially, but our current model of understanding the universe is that planets are decreasing exponentially. 
So at some point, there's an event horizon where if we were all peaceful and not having wars with one another, there we are going to have to compete for resources within the universe to survive and continue within our own specific planet or our own race. You know, like um, Earth's going to die at some point, so we'll have to leave, so we'll have to find another planet. The only planet we can live on is a planet that's capable of sustaining life. That planet's therefore going to probably have life on it. Therefore, we are going to have to be colonial or or die. But if you believe, like, if, if we're in the Douglas Adams universe where the universe is infinite, mm. then those things aren't necessarily true. And also, you know, we, we have to then also think about physics and time, you know, the, the amount of time it takes to actually travel to these worlds. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it, it becomes... You know, purely hypothetical. In, you know, this is this is this is in no way the actionable uh, stuff that I was hoping for, lads. If we're if we're going to take a true Adamsy, clever six form, um, <laughs> like a view of it in the context of infinity, if we eradicated all life, then once all life has gone, then it would be both good and happy because there would be no bad. Or sad. Basically, you want to be Thanos, is what you're saying. No, 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 no. Thanos half-assed it. Like, we would be double Thanos. A lot of people did say that coming down from the trees was a bad idea. Absolutely. It is. We should have never left the oceans. Still, the digital watches, lads. So, while this feed might be... um, uh, Less populous um, uh, going forward. I'm sure we'll have we'll have the odd thing here and there because um, uh, we we can't stop ourselves. Um, it is kind of drawing to a close, and you know this is the last like canonical episode that we'll be doing. But that does not mean that we are um, withdrawing from your ears. Um, so you are by no means rid of us. Uh, so John, um, Mr. Hickman, hello. What, what's what's going on in John's world that um, that people who so people who bought Beware of the Leopard might also like mm, these things might, from John Hickman. Also like these things from John Hickman. Okay, um, I still have a, a, a weekly podcast that comes out about once a month. Um, <laughs> which, <laughs> I've got two of those. Which is called You Don't Look Like a Runner. You can find it at runnerpod.com. And on that podcast, I speak with my good friend Nick about, um, uh, apparently it's about running and fitness and tech. We do sometimes talk about those things, but you know, it's, you've, you've, you've seen a two person, two men talking podcast. You know what that is. It's fun. It's good though, like and it. it's got a good theme tune, and it's uh, it's good. Like it it's lot. good decision. Uh, good decision. It's good content, uh, and it doesn't make me feel guilty about being fat and not running. Um, ex- well, I mean, I use a I use a cross trainer, but you know, um, cool. yeah, it's that's why fine. You make, uh, why is he angry? Oh, it's, <laughs> uh, mate, you don't know what I do to that cross trainer. As um, as a um, as a person that's not on that podcast and not involved in that creative project, can I just say Hickman is one of the smartest people that I know, and oh, it would Christ, be yeah. a pleasure to listen to him. At any uh, series of intervals, um, thank you. And I wholeheartedly. You're not going to, are you? Oh no, God, no! I don't listen to podcasts. But <laughs> if I listen to podcasts, that would be one of the ones that I listen to. That is a ringing endorsement. That would be that would that would be epic. See, you won't um, listen to Thread, that you can also find at Thread.fm. But you know, it's fine. Which I was going to mention. I was just yeah. coming to that one. No, no. Um, <laughs> Mark, Mark and I do a podcast as well, where um, apparently I try, I try and fix him, or he tries to fix me. I don't know which. It's um, you'll you'll spot the theme here. It's uh, it's it's Tim and talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I've got a lot. I've got a lot, lot of other ideas, and maybe some of those will start to blossom now that my leopard space is free. Um, and <laughs> might be three men talking. If you follow me on Twitter at John Hickman, you will find out what those things are. Um, if you go to theplan.co.uk, that will tell you where what things are happening as well in my life. Um, and um, that's probably all for me for now. Thank you. It's been nice. I'm, I miss you. Bye. Bye. Um, don't go, Danny. We got for us. Um, I, I, I mean, at the moment, I, I recently went to Mexico, and I'm, uh, re- um, I'm actually writing a book about that, but it, it is very much in the first chapter stage, so that's not going to happen for like a couple of years at least now, because that's mm-hmm. how slow books work. But yeah, um, I still write on Paradise Circus, so. By the time this comes out, there should be an interesting piece about the world's biggest <laughs> Primark that um, I attended <laughs> the opening of the other day. Um, so if you go to Paradise Circus, you uh, paradisecircus.com, guys, is it? Yep. Go there. You'll be able to find that. The, if you follow the tag, because I'm presumed that all my stuff is tagged with my name, then you can find a bunch of stuff that I wrote. Also, I have a website, which is edgetrinkets.co. Um, and everything that I've pretty much ever wrote is um, archived there. Have a dig around uh, if you like it. Share it on social media. Tag me in it, and I'll, I'll be very happy. Um, and um, that's about it. I, I think that's all I've got coming up at the moment. Probably drunk on Twitter. Yes, I am probably drunk on Twitter. Uh, I've linked your author page on paradisecircus.com in the show notes. Mr. Bounds... What, what 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 will people like that you do? Um, I'm a well mainly, but you might also know me from such works as attempting to overslow capitalism. <laughs> if you are able to, if you live in a very small area of the same town that I live in, please vote for me on May the second. <laughs> no, seriously, do do vote. For yeah, him. no, that's not a joke. That's how we start. That's where the the overthrow of capitalism starts is with your vote, people of Abingdon. He's standing for a political thing, but um, I don't <laughs> like like that. Yeah, um, I don't really have anything else uh, going on. I'm incredible. I'm an incredibly slowly um, productive person, as Danny would know when he when he wrote a book with me. Just just how <laughs> much more, how much much more slow. I am than uh, than the writing stuff than him, but at least I get it in the correct tense. <laughs> oh, the shade! Oh, fuck off! Dripping in shade. <laughs> oh, fuck all the way off. <laughs> or half <laughs> fucked off. Or I don't know. <laughs> How fucked off will ha- will you haven't been? Well, you should tell them what the name of the book is, John, for one last time. So Danny and John wrote a book that they've both been very good and not told you about which is called Peer Review, in which they visited every pleasure pier in England and Wales. 56? 55. 55. 55. In the days between, their driver had to sign on <laughs> to give you a nice time-based conceit, which is how many days? Two weeks. Two weeks. Week. So we had to... Uh, we did think there were 56 all the way round and all the way through writing the book until we counted the number of peers at the end <laughs> and discovered there were 55. And, and, and didn't, we visit, didn't we visit two in the, in the wrong order? So it, essentially we had to double back on ourselves but didn't realise until our editor said you do realize that those aren't consecutive on the map and i thought that bit of road just looked really samey <laughs> so, so to, to crib a line from from dave gorman then you did enough for uh, every card in the pack including jokers 
and that bit that tells you the scores for cribbage, <laughs> <laughs> which is 55, right? Yeah. yeah. Mark, what about you? Have you got anything on the horizon? Well, thank you for, for setting me up so organically, um, Danny. Um, uh, it's, I, I appreciate that. Um, I've got a new project. Oh, yeah. Uh, in which, uh, yeah, in which I give myself 45 minutes to research a topic and then 15 minutes to deliver a, a semi-improvised, um, hurriedly researched lecture about it. It's called 15 Minutes to Save the World, and you'll find that at stedman.io slash podcast, uh, and also linked in the show notes. I've done episodes on Article 13, which is a piece of European legislation, um, telling bedtime stories to nephews and, most recently, Brexit. So if that is of interest to you, stedman.io slash podcast. I'm still working it out. Uh, I'm trying to make them funnier, uh, but at the moment I'm just aiming for mildly interesting. And um, John Hickman, um, yeah, well, actually, both both Johns, uh, both Johns Hickman and Bounds uh, have been working um, tirelessly um, to produce to produce two products. Um, no, we're, um, we're 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 making a start because what every podcast does right at the end of their run is they think, what's you know, what should we do to help promote this? Is I don't know, we'll get a store. Um, but we yeah, we we are getting a thing set up, so uh, we're going to have more. Um, in it at some point i think i've got some stuff uh i think all of us actually might have some some things to contribute uh, but we've got a couple of items at the moment so if you want to bookmark this uh btlpodcast.com slash store there's uh, there's a t-shirt you can buy and there's a notebook that you can buy that actually exists in the world and um three of us four of us own one which is very cool it is a new long <coughs> It is a new long uh notebook, so uh, that is a thing that you can buy right now, uh, thanks to uh, to Redbubble. Um, but yeah, if you uh, you know, I mean, it, it might show, it might give us like a penny or something. But more importantly, uh, it's it's just another way that we can um, help people know about this body of work that we've created um, since uh, May twenty seventeen when I or June when I had the idea to do this thing. So btlpodcast.com slash store go and buy some things and we'll uh, we'll add more stuff to it soon uh, so with that in mind since since we're talking about me let's stop talking about me now, now let's talk about me um, my thoughts for how we can make the world a good and happy place as you guys know uh, and as I've discovered about myself uh, over the, the last few years I consider myself in terms of my personal politics and my outlook on the world to be guided by compassion as the sort of first thing, my, my, my first rule. Um, I'm no longer interested in playing the game of who's the wokest um, or hunt the, hunt the wokest, uh, if we, uh, to slightly paraphrase a Douglas Adams bit. Um, I'm... I, I'm more and more frustrated with with playing that particular game and try and um, out progressive other people. Uh, I, I find it much more fulfilling to look at individual cases and, and while I have my views on the world that you know the wokest among us might not agree with. My point is that I, when I look at people issues, I take the issues of those people as people uh, and, and not as issues and, and look at them individually. Um, and whatever prejudices I have and know I have, um, I try and put those aside when I deal with actual people and try and deal instead with compassion. Um, 
and that means looking at individual individual people's lives and struggles and and trying to seek to understand what makes them so one of the things that frustrates me is being told to check my privilege because it is such a an arrogant and um demonizing thing to say to someone because it demonstrates that you know nothing about that person's life and experience and while it's a great way to score points and that is the game that we're all playing at the moment because that's what social media is it's about scoring points and it's about finding out who is who gets the woke cookie um for 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 this particular day uh and while that is a quick win it it really uh it's it's a habit that we've got to get ourselves out of because it really fails to get to the bottom of how a person thinks, what their particular view on the world is. Uh, and so in order to aim to compassion, uh, in, or in order to, to turn to compassion, we need to think about empathy, and, and empathy involves understanding people. So when we think about the the ultimate question, I don't necessarily think that there is one ultimate question to which the answer is 42. Instead, I think perhaps there are 42 questions that we can ask of one another to perhaps help to understand their viewpoint, their stance on the world, um, their their ideas of uh, what they think about the world. And um, so I've written 42 questions. I'm not going to deliver them all now, um, but they're, they're, um, they're divided up into seven categories, mind, body, soul, spirit, goals, fears, and environment. Um, and uh, if you're interested in having a look, this is, you know, this is not like uh, I didn't spend, this isn't like my life's work or anything. I, I, I spent a bit of time just thinking about what would be some interesting questions if you are going to try and understand someone's viewpoint so that you can get to that that wonderful point of uh between synth uh, synth um, between thesis and antithesis and get to synthesis you need to be able to understand what the other person's point of view is and um so these are questions um about as i said mind body soul spirit goals fears and environment uh and if if you're at all interested in what i think those questions are uh and you know if you maybe maybe want to um read through them yourself and and perhaps see if you can answer them for yourself you can go to btlpodcast.com slash q um and uh, and they're just they're kind of up there in a slightly haphazard uh list at the moment um it's by no means in any means is it you know is it scientific or anything this is not a um, Myers-Briggs personality test it was just I thought it could be a, a neat way of perhaps getting to a point where we can um, figure out what we're about so that we can then move to um, to acting as Danny put so succinctly earlier acting with kindness um, we need to be able to understand what would be kind for that person, what that person understands as kindness, which is not dissimilar to the viewpoint of the man in the shack, um, which is someone I've mentioned before as being one of my favourite Hitchhiker's characters because of the fact that he he's such a naive um, and and he yeah, so there you go, that's that's my, uh, that's my, that's my thought it's not a solution, but it perhaps <laughs> it's, if, if I was intelligent enough, it might be uh, one step towards uh, getting to the problem. So uh, there you go, btlpodcast.com slash Q. You know what, Mark? You've got a 
the basis of a, um, a self-help book there. <laughs> really nice. Yeah, it's got a subtitle and everything. Like it, it reads, it reads like one. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the 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 pages, um, forty-two questions, a blueprint for establishing empathy and compassion. I did write that with the, with the knowledge that yeah, that reads exactly like. A <laughs> we could ghostwrite this as Zealand Colufit. <laughs> yeah, we c- well, um, yeah. There you go. There, there's there's plenty of stuff there about God. I had to I had to rewrite some of it because it was getting a a little bit biased. <laughs> biased towards God. I think that's if you're going to have a bias, that's probably the best one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hedging your bets. <laughs> Hedge money, your bets. Ooh, 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 I just that ooh. was nearly a joke. That no, was nearly. No, that was good. That was that was, that that was me that enjoying was that joke. <laughs> just savouring it. Well, on that note. That does wrap it up for the leopard. Um, it's been a pleasure and a privilege, a ple- and a privilege. It's been a privilege. It's been an absolute privilege. What, what do you mean? Just cut it, it there. Just cut it there. Just don't, mean, don't don't carry on. Just I mean, pl- fluffed it. Just, just, be it. just go. It's been a pleasure. And then I can't. I can literally. I can't. I can't as much as much as as much as I want to support that bit. I can't. I can't let that this be is, the last thing that's happened. This is the, this is this is the bit where they um where the where the police come and take the cameras off us. <laughs> that's that on um. I can't. If you can't pay, we'll take it away. And on that joke, um, which I don't understand, which is the 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 last of many. <laughs> Uh, btlpodcast.com Twitter all the places um, you'll find him over there uh, Danny is probably drunk you'll find John Bounds at Bounder John Hickman you'll find it John Hickman that's nice and easy and you'll find me at I am Stedman that's all on the Twitters so I'm sure we'll meet again uh, at some point but uh, until that time won't you all please share and enjoy share Share and enjoy. enjoy This podcast is produced by Podient. To find out more, visit podiantproductions.com. So, who's recording next? Is it me next week? <laughs> oh, lads, I haven't hit record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, uh, blatantly, my audio is not going to be usable. Nope.